get uh, get those in the hands of uh, people to whom they are intended uh, before next year. That's that's my goal. Uh, let our young people be dismissed for children's Bible time. <clears throat> Victoria, thank you for translating this evening. I'm trying to shield my eyes to see who's hiding up there. Appreciate you. SBN? Oh, not, not, not yet. Un, un, un momento, Pastor, see? <laughs> okay, so he should be live now. Uh, very good. We're in Ezra chapter 5 this evening. I'll just give uh, Dominic a shout out. Good to have Dominic in town. It's good to see our young people when they come back in town. Uh, Callie. Uh, getting in the choir, just serving the Lord, and this is this is always home uh, to you. As long as I'm here, this will be home. And you come, you don't need an invitation to get back in the choir. Just go up there, make yourself at home. Talk to Brother Monday; he'll put you to work. I like it when our young people come home and go back and just just serve the Lord. And that's that's the way it ought to be. Uh, that's the way it ought to be. Miss Bishop and I will travel after the service this evening. Uh, travel back to Michigan, and uh, while we're there, we'll we'll do our best to serve the Lord, Pastor. Uh, routinely will ask us to do something. We'll ask uh, for a choir or a special or offertory or uh, to preach or to speak to a Sunday school class or Wednesday evening service. And we, we go prepared to serve the Lord. And I uh, just desire to do that. And uh, so thank you, young people, for doing it. Well, Dominic, he's not really a young people anymore. <clears throat> Even our younger people that are a little older. Uh, and it's good to see them serving, serving the Lord. We're in Ezra chapter 5 last week. <clears throat> Uh, chapter 4, there was some building project opposition. Go figure, huh? <clears throat> Still going on. We mentioned the day and age in which we live. Uh, they had uh, written letters. The lawyers got together and they started writing letters back and forth. As a result, the people were discouraged. Uh, discouragement in a building project. Go figure. Who would have thunk that, right? Uh, but there is discouragement in the Christian life. It is, it is not a new thing. Uh, we're in a time of year. Uh, that uh, people tend to be, the suicide rate is higher now, this time of year, than at any other time in the year. Uh, so we should be watching out for one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another, uh, bearing one another's burdens, and so uh, fulfilling the law of Christ. Uh, building project, opposition, again, nothing new. Uh, discouragement is nothing new. Satan wants you to think you're the only person that's ever gotten discouraged. But that is not true. This preacher gets discouraged. I have difficult times. I have learned that it is important for me to share that with someone when I'm going through a difficult time. And so my partner uh, is Mrs. Bishop. And uh, when I'm going through a difficult time, I say to her, hey, I'm going through a difficult time. I know I've shared this with you before, but just for sake of uh, repetition, I'm going to share it with you again. Uh, So I tell her, because when uh, I come home and I'm quiet, Uh, the first thing that goes through a lady's mind is, are you cheating on me? And so I want to make sure I put that to rest. I say, listen, I just want you to know, uh, I'm just going through a hard time, going through a hard time. She says, oh, okay. And uh, do you want to talk about it? No, I don't want to talk about it. And she says, okay. Uh, Now, uh, so I do that, number one, because I want to set her mind at ease to let her know uh, that I'm struggling, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm faithful. And that's important. 
Because a gal, when she sees you struggling, fellows, that's the first thing she thinks. So let her know uh, everything in that realm is okay. And then number two, uh, when I'm struggling, Mrs. Bishop is always extra, extra tender uh, towards me. And she, she tries to make my favorite foods and tries to... Uh, and it's, it, it almost makes you want to say, you know, I wish I could go through a tough time every month uh, just, just so I could have that. But, hey, everybody gets discouraged. Everybody does. Uh, no one is exempt from that. Everybody gets defeated. Uh, from time to time, it might be a physical illness uh, that, uh, that just takes your breath away, breath away or injury. It could be government. It could be society. It could be familial. Uh, we're in that time of year where you get together with family. And some families are just, some family members are just, they're just toes. You know, feet are gross. I'm just, I could not be a podiatrist. They just are. And they remind me of toes. And they stink. They got toe jam. Uh, I, I would not want to touch people's feet. I don't like to rub feet. I don't like, to, I don't like feet. Uh, you, you've never seen my feet. My feet stay covered. I keep covered, and I tie my shoes up so my feet don't my shoes don't accidentally fall off because if they did. There are people in the room; they'd pass out. <clears throat> and there are some people that are just toes. Some family members they, they just they are just ugly. They just are. <clears throat> now I know I'm talking to some women in the room that you get your nails done and you paint them and they look. You're okay. If that makes you feel better, your feet are beautiful. The Bible does not say your feet are beautiful. The Bible says my feet are beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. I've got a Bible verse for my feet. And and I, uh, anyways. Uh, Sometimes you just get tired. And worn out. Just from the everyday uh, stuff of life. Getting up, caring for kids, doing the laundry. And, okay, don't tell Mrs. Bishop this, okay? You, there's probably people breaking their phone out to text. Caitlin's going to tell mom. I just know she is. <clears throat> I'll come home, and I'll be carrying my, my duffel bag. And in there, I've, I've got some, some darks that are dirty, dark socks there. And she'll have done darks that day. And I missed it by a day. So I'll hide them in the car for a couple of days. And then I'll bring them in and put them in. Because, you know, that's discouraging. You come in, you've worked all day, you go in there, and then I bring something home and dump it in there and it's full again. And she's like, why couldn't you brought that in this morning? Uh, you know, you didn't have a sign up there that said doing darks today. Uh, <coughs> or I forgot that they were there. <coughs> Sometimes, okay, this is not for the majority of the people in the room. This is for me and this is for... Kentucky Bob, and this is for Tom Oldenburg. The rest of you are kind of exempt for this. We're just getting older. And we are. And and we are not able to do the things that we normally do. Sunday morning, case in point. I'm up here with the Meyer girls, and uh, the Meyer girls are showing me how they can jump from stair to stair. And so they're doing one foot thing and they're, no, brother, I'm not going to do it. Brother, brother DeGoupin saying, don't, don't do it. I'm not going to do it. But they, they were doing that. They were jumping one foot all the way down. And then they came up to, they were doing one step jump and two step jumps and three step jumps and four step jumps. And they wanted me to do it. And I thought, 
No. Because <laughs> it looks painful to do that, number one. And number two, it takes too long to heal after I do that. And that's, that's for young people to do and not for old people to do. And, and listen, as we get older, we, we are not able to do the things that we could. And just recognizing that is important. So my goals for the future uh, are different than my goals would have been 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Now, what I consider to be a uh, doing a big thing for God 20 years ago would be a small thing. Does that make sense? So here they are, and here we are. Uh, how do you get beyond that? The discouragement, whether it be physical, familial, whether it be time, the first thing in Ezra chapter 5, after all this stuff has been pulled, after the work has been stopped, they, they, what, what do we do? Eh, they, Brother Oldenburg said, hey, you want the work to go on? Hey, let's, let's have a revival. Let's call in the preachers. Let's call in the big guns. And so they did. We're in verse 1, then the prophets, Haggai, the prophets, and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. Hey, this, what, what did he preach? I don't know. This work of the Lord, this was ordained. Uh, Cyrus, he, he was appointed by God 175 years before he actually did it. And he came to the throne and we presented him the scroll. And here he is named in God's word. This is not taking God by surprise. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what they preached on. But I think if I were the preacher, that's what I'd be preaching on. And tell them, this is a work. This is going to go forward. Uh, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Kind of a message. Notice verse 2. Verse 1 says, then the prophets. Then verse 2 says, then rose up. Who is this? Well, Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua. Uh, these are the two guys that were in the previous chapter. Now they're, they're charged up again for the work. They began to build the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. Wait a minute, they pulled the permits. And with them were the prophets of God helping them. And the preachers are helping. Nothing matter with preachers helping do the work. But we pulled your permit. You've got to remember, as you come into chapter 5, that the laws of the Medes and Persians are in effect. Now, we've studied that on Sunday morning with Esther, but that's, we're still in that, in that era, the laws of Medes and Persians. And nobody, not the king himself, could exempt himself from those laws. And that is going to be brought out in chapter 5. At the same time came to them, Tetnai, governor on this side of the river, and Shafar Abaznai and their companions, who said thus unto them, Who, who, who hath commanded you to build this house and to make up this wall? Who gave you your permit back? Then said we unto them after this manner, What are the names of the men that made the, make this building? But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jew, that they could not cause them to cease till the matter came to Darius, and then, and, and then they returned answer by letter concerning this matter. The copy of the letter, the Tetnai, governor of this side of the river, and Sherbanai, uh, Banzai, and his companions, the Afrashites, were on this side of the river, Senator Darius the king. Then sent a letter unto him, wherein was written thus, unto Darius the king, all peace. Be it known unto the king that we went into the province of Judea to the house of the great God, which is builded with great stones and timber is laid in the wall. And this work goes fast on. They haven't stopped. You pulled the permits. They haven't stopped. And prospereth in their hands. Then we asked those elders and said unto them, Who, who, who 
I highlighted that. Who? Who commanded you to build this house and to make up these walls? We ask their names also to certify thee that we might write the names of the men that were chief of them so we could let you know who the culprits were so you could pull them in and you could, you could just let them have it. And thus they returned answer. They told us who, to, who gave them the power to go on. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth and build this house that was built these many years ago. Which Basically, they said, God did. God, God's the one. Well, how do you go after God? First, you've got to find him. <clears throat> Who the king of Israel built it up and set up. But after that, our fathers had provoked the God of heaven unto wrath. He gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried the people into Babylon. But in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Babylon, the king Cyrus made a decree to build this house of God. And there it is. The laws of the Medes and Persians that could not be altered. The next king did not have the power to pull those permits, which had been written in the laws of Medes and Persians. And the vessels of gold and silver of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that was in Jerusalem and brought them into the temple of Babylon. Those did Cyrus the king take out of the temple of Babylon. And they were delivered unto one whose name was Shebazar, whom he made governor, and said unto him, Take these vessels, go carry them into the temple that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be builded in his place. Then came Shabazz and laid the foundation of the house of God which is in Jerusalem, and since that time even until now hath it been in building, and yet it is not finished. Now therefore, if it seem ye good to the king, search the records. I say this. Truth is not afraid of the light. And truth can be verified. Let diligent search be, let there be search made in the king's treasure house, which is there at Babylon, whether it be so. That a decree was made of Cyrus the king to build this house of God. Let's see. At Jerusalem, and let the king send his pleasure to us concerning the matter. Chapter 6 is going to talk about that. And the work begins again. Because it can't be stopped. God's work can't be stopped. Uh, Lawyers get involved, sure. Slowed down, I, I, I'm, I'm sure, certain. But it can't be stopped. God's work cannot be stopped. So what do you do? What do you do when you're discouraged, when the, there's pushback, when there's opposition, whether it's illness, whether it's sadness? I've just got three things tonight. Uh, number one, uh, get in the book. Get in the book. Spiritual advances in Scripture Begin with this phrase. You want to do an interesting phrase? Study throughout the Word of God. Uh, find this. A word from the Lord. To Elijah, to Elijah, to Jeremiah, to Ezekiel, to Zechariah. You go all the way through. Man, you're going to be studying for a lifetime. Because the word came to, the, the, the message came to them. A word of the Lord by the prophets, by them to the people to let them know. God, God got a message. Where did their renewal begin? A word from God. A word from the Lord. Where are you going to get that? From the book. The Old Testament saints realized that God spoke through the prophets. And when they spoke, they might, Zedekiah might not have done what they said. But in secret, even Zedekiah would go to them and say, Hey, hey, don't tell anybody I'm coming to you, but tell me what God's got to say about this. And uh, uh, he would. It didn't do him any good because Zedekiah was a worm. And he wasn't going to oppose his staff. And so he just, just let it go on to his demise. 
So the Old Testament saints realized that. We're in the New Testament. Where does God speak to us from? Man, He speaks to us from this book right here. You want a word from the Lord? It's not in the tongues movement. It's not speaking in tongues or some gibberish kind of language. It's right here. It's not going to be in your dreams. I wish I could have a dollar for everybody came to me and said, Pastor, I had a dream. I had a dream. And I always laugh uh, because I know what I'm going to say next. And it always, it always irritates the person that's in the room. Uh, so I'm just going to tell you, you want to get irritated? Uh, just come to me and say, Pastor, I've had a dream. What does it mean? Because this is what I'm going to say back to you. It means don't eat pizza before you go to bed. That's what it means. Do not eat pizza before you go to bed. Uh, this lady, she came to me, a Christian lady. She, she, she said she loved the Lord, but she had a dream. Oh, she was in her bedroom, and she woke up, and she sat up in bed, and there was a man draped in black, had a hood over his head, and a sickle in her hand, and she wanted to know what was the spiritual meaning. And I said, don't eat pizza before you go to bed. Oh, if she had had a sickle, she would have killed me. <laughs> she said, Panther! You don't take me seriously. I said, oh, no, I'm absolutely taking you seriously. Once upon a time, God spoke through his prophet, but now he speaks through his word. He's not speaking to you through dreams. He's going to speak to you through this book. Get in the book. Get in the book. Why? The revelation is complete. Again, many people are looking for an experience. They're emotional. Don't look for an experience. Look for God in this book. Look for God in the book. And, and, and listen, you can do this. And people do. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeas came near and accused the Jews. The Chaldeas are coming! Now, you can do that as your method of Bible study. It's not a real good method. It should be line upon line and precept upon precept. Uh, We go, go, Go to the book. Go to... Uh, Proverbs every day, go to Psalms every day, read a portion uh, every day out of the New Testament, and say, but I've got a specific specific problem. Uh, God will speak to you. Your problem is not new to 2023. If you're in Ezekiel, the people in Ezekiel's day had that problem, and God's going to deal with that in the book of Ezekiel. The people in the first century had that problem, and God's going to deal with that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, they, 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 they were there. It's not new to this day and age. The answer is in the book. Go to the book. Get your Bible. Open it up. Read it. Study it. Listen to preaching. And be careful. Because somebody's going to say, oh, preacher. I don't need to listen. I don't need to come to church. I can listen to whoever I want to whenever I want to listen to them. That's a dangerous message of Bible study. I mentioned recently that the number one phrase that I hear from church today is, Pastor, I know what the Bible says, but I heard a preacher on the Internet say this. I just say there's a lot of danger on the Internet. And if you don't say that to me, when you come to me with a different doctrine that is not in this book, my first question to you is going to be, who are you listening to? Because you didn't get that from this book. You didn't get it from the book. Come Sunday morning. Come to Sunday school. Brother Oldberg teaches the auditorium class. Brother Parsons is downstairs. Their brains are wired differently. 
They're both able, capable men who love the Lord. But if uh, Brother Oldenburg doesn't resonate with you, go down to Brother Parsons' class. Brother Parsons' class doesn't resonate. Come in the auditorium. But get in Sunday school. Sunday morning, Brother Oldenburg is going to tell you the location of hell. He and I are laughing because we were talking about the Sunday school lesson before the service. And there's a lot to know. And Brother Oldenburg has studied this week, and he'll tell you there's a lot of misinformation out there. People that say hell doesn't exist. We're, we're going to learn about that in the Bible, in Sunday school. Uh, somebody came to me uh, last week and said, uh, Preacher, what do you think about this? And it was a guy, he's a preterist. Now, number one, he's a Jewish guy. That is a writer for Hollywood. Is that a recipe for disaster? And he writes books, fiction books, that have a little Bible in them. But this guy is listening to this Jewish guy who rejects the New Testament, right? And the the Jewish guy that writes fiction for Hollywood, and that's the guy he's chosen chosen to listen to as his preacher to get his Bible doctrine. (laughs) I'll just say that's messed up. And as a result... He, he has come to believe that the tribulation period in the book of Revelation occurred at 70 A.D. Well, that's just not true. It's not true. There are two books in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, that say that's not the way it happened. But if you're getting your information just from whoever's out there on the Internet, there are a lot of, there are a lot of nuts out there that just are not line upon line, precept upon precept. Get them the book. Get the church. It will help you. And interesting about the names. We're going back to chapter 5, verse 1. We've got Haggai, we've got Zechariah. And Zechariah, his name means whom the Lord remembers. And no doubt he's going to use his name. We talked about names on Sunday to say to the people, Hey, God remembers you. God has sent me, Zechariah, whose name means whom the Lord remembers, to tell you that God remembers you. His father... Berechiah's name was the Lord blesses. His grandfather's name, Ido, mentioned in verse 1, means at the point of time. So you take Zechariah's name, Zechariah's father's name, and Zechariah's grandfather's name, and put that in a sentence. And this is what it comes out to. Whom the Lord remembers, he blesses at the appointed time. And that's what those three names mean together. And God put that in there for a purpose. And I'm sure that he shared that. Uh, 2024, I look at a new year. I'm going to reorder my priorities. What, what do I think God would have me to do? Go over his calendar, look at things, try to establish, make sure I am on. I have the right priorities. And we as Christians should do that. God's Word will help you have the right priorities. Sports teams do that. If you go uh, to any sports webcast, website, newspaper article that talks about sports teams that are going into, uh, going into the season or maybe fighting for a playoff spot, they want to make sure they, they're going to check on their priorities. And that's a good thing for us to do. Government across the river, D.C., uh, said that they're, they're looking at their priorities because 
gun violence is up and murder is up and robberies are up and carjackings are up and law enforcement is down. And they're looking at their priorities. They, they should have looked at them five years ago. Uh, but, hey, I'm glad they're doing it. We shouldn't wait until our family is falling apart before we look to God's word to help us establish our priorities. So that's that's verse one. Verse two. And then they went back to work. So, number one, get in the book. Number two, get to work. Do something for God. So, again, when I'm depressed, when I'm going through a hard time, I I overschedule. I schedule things early in the morning. Rick, what am I doing on Tuesday at 8.30 in the morning? Think about it. What was it? Where was I Tuesday at 8.30, Tuesday morning? We're, we're praying at Krispy Kreme. That's where we are. I schedule things early in the morning. What does that do? It makes me get up. It makes me get out the door. It makes me get the, and So by, by 8.30 on Tuesday morning, I seen Rick. I talked to Dustin. I had sent out a couple of emails. I'd been to the church. I'd, I'd put the garbage out. And you just, when you're going through a rough time, get, get to work. Schedule it. Have somebody coming over to the house at 7.30 in the morning. That's what I tell people. Say, Pastor, I, I leave for work at 5 o'clock. I said, 4.30 works for me. That's going to be my response back to you. 4.30 works for me. It puts me up another 30 minutes earlier <laughs> to get to wherever you are. Now, people say, Pastor, I'm having surgery at 5 a.m., at 6 a.m., 6, 10 a.m. That is too early. No, that is a great thing. Get a schedule, get, get you out there. Somebody's expecting you. You've got to get up. You've got to get moving. Get back to work. <clears throat> but preacher, the permits have been pulled. Listen, there is so much more to do. There's so much more to do. God said to David, you can't build the temple. David could have said, huh, God pulled the permits. I guess I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing nothing. But that's not what David did. David said, God pulled the permits. I can't do it, but I can at least get all the materials together so when the next guy shows up, he's got something to work with. And David spent the remainder of his life getting the resources and the materials together so that when God put the permit out there, they'd be ready to build. And Solomon built that. But who enabled that? David did. Who pulled the permits? God did. But that shouldn't stop us from doing what we can do. Listen, it might not be as big as you wanted. David wanted to build a big temple. But he had to settle for being the logistics guy. I'll just say, God bless the logistics guy. They understand what materials, what resources, what needs to be in place for all of this to take place. With, with our, I just determined years ago that we were not going to get bogged down here because of whether or not the county gave us a permit to build. We're just going to keep at it. So we keep on going soul winning. We keep on knocking on doors. We keep on reaching people for Christ. We keep on uh, looking at missionaries. We're forward, forward looking. We're not going to get pressed downtrodden. Now, when you come in and you're getting older and it, Bob, it's more difficult to get down those steps, you pray more when you're going down the steps for the building project to go on. But outside of that, we're not going to sit on the step and cry. Why? Brother Bob will tell you, because there's food downstairs. <laughs> We're going to get food. We're, we're going to find a way to get there. We may have to go down the steps backwards together. 
But we're going to get to where the food is. Or we'll bring it up to you. It might not be as big as you want, but get to work. Do something for God. But pastor, my something is not big. Listen, it's the new big. Again, with the steps. Fifty years ago, jumping from here to there would have been doable. Now my new big normal is this. (laughs) That's my new big normal. That's big for me now. The kids are like, that's not impressive. Well, kids, take up the trowel and encourage your children that God's got a place for them in God's work. Get up there, get at it, get doing it. One step at a time is where I am now. And that's my doom big. <clears throat> the labor force is shrinking. The pandemic is uh, uh, the re- uh, the. The problem with that, a big article, and they're trying to figure out now the workforce needs workers and they don't have workers. And uh, the people that were the older people that said, you know what, we're going to stay home and we're not going to get involved uh, because we're afraid of dying. Listen, you're going to die. We're all going to die. Now that the, epi- the pandemic is over, they're trying to entice those older folks to come back into the workforce. This is kind of interesting because how, what was the percentage of people from Israel that went back to build the temple? 3%. So this article said this week, the number of folks that have quit working because they're old and they're trying to stay safe that are coming back into the worst workforce, what do you think that percent was? Yeah, 3%. Just kind of interesting. I'm not trying to make any spiritual connotation. I'm just saying it's interesting. But I'll just say this. Many Christians, because of the pandemic, retired from active service. Sunday school classes, nursery. I, I have preacher friends, and I, I could name them, that have quit their churches. And so I thought about this today. If, if two guys approaching 80 years of age are in competition to run the United States of America as president of the United States, and you can debate whether or not they've, either one of them is in their right mind, and, and I'm okay with that. But if two 80-year-olds can say, I believe that my greatest life work is ahead of me as president of the United States, Maybe a preacher that's 62 years of age that's talking about retiring might be able to go to 64 or 65 or 70 or 75. But they're, man, they're dropping like flies. I just say, get to work. They call me on the phone uh, because they, they still want to preach. They just don't want to go visit the sick, go to the nursing home. They don't want to knock on doors. They want to do it. They call me. I, my, my phone rings. Can we come to your pulpit? This is what I say. Get to work. There are churches out there without a pastor. The, the church that you left doesn't have a pastor. They need a preacher. This church has a preacher. Get to work. 3%. 3% went back in Ezra's time. 3% coming out of the secular workforce. I am not overly optimistic that more than 3% are going to come out of retirement to get back working for the Lord. I'm just saying we should. 
we should. Get in the book. Get back to work. Number three, get a Godward focus. Again, verses 5 through 17, they said, Who, who's responsible for starting this? God is. God is. What did they have? They had a Godward focus. Godward focus. I love this song, Brother Monday. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. They don't disappear. Problems aren't going to go away. Cancer's not going to go away. The Fairfax County building permit stuff not going to go away. The pandemic, uh, sickness, death, disease, struggles, home struggles are not going to go away. But you look in the eyes of the Lord Jesus, it just becomes strangely dim. In light of eternity, that's just a flat tire. It's just a broken down car. I, I got in an accident. Are you okay? We can replace the car, but we can't replace you. You have a place to serve the Lord. <clears throat> Persevering in the face of opposition is what Bible believers and Christ followers do. So we push on. We push on with the building. And I send Brother Ray emails. Do I send you emails, Brother Ray? Brother Ray goes, yeah. He sends me emails. Do I talk about it every time I see you? No. No. Matter of fact, I do my best not to talk about it at church. Because then he'd be crawling in, wearing disguises, and hiding in the back office. But it's part of what we do. I mean, we've got to know. Part of the ministry. We push forward and soul winning. Knocking on doors. Got a plan. You have a fearless leader. Brother Dan, point our way ahead. I need the, the numbers for the last two Saturdays that we went out. Tell me how many doors we knocked on. I forgot to email you today to ask you for that. <clears throat> we didn't need that. Keep on pushing on. We push on in the bus ministry. Looking at how to expand the routes, how to, how to get... Because uh, CDL drivers are, uh, are a dearth. Uh, but how do we get the bus ministry to work? And so we've got a 15 passenger. We've got a 10. We're looking to add another 15 passenger uh, to, to, to keep on reaching people for Christ. Push forward. Reformers, we're looking at pushing forward. How do we do a better job with the resources that we have and the personnel that we have to get the message of reformers like Mark Kling and get their crowd and their group that's been trained and ready to go to the people that need it. Who is that? In the jails. We're looking to do that. 2024. Focus. Focus. Focus on the Lord. Focus on God's work. Focus on the way ahead. The slumping Phoenix Suns. What the article said. What do they need to do? They need to adjust their focus, according to the article. The Colts lost 10, they had 10, and the Falcons had 29. And it is said of the Colts that they need to refocus their efforts. They had lost their focus. I don't know anything about the Colts and the Falcons. I certainly don't know anything about the Phoenix Suns, except I assume they're in Phoenix. And I think it's basketball, I think. Issues with focus. The Pistons had issues with focus. The Rangers. When you type in focus... Who has lost their focus? All those names come up. You know it didn't come up, but should have come up? 
Christians. Christians, we, we lose our focus. We step out of the Lord's work. We step away from our families. Men, men leave their wives. Wives leave their, their husbands. Children run away from home, run away from the Lord, step out of church. Sunday school teachers quit. Bus workers step away. Why? Because we've lost focus. Let's refocus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust God. God is at work. Listen. You, say, you can come to me after the service and say, Preacher, what do you think God is doing? I'll tell you, I have no idea. His brother Oldenburg came to me before the service. He wants all the answers to the Bible questions. And I told him, you ready? I have no idea. God's ways are higher than our ways. Ask him. His ways, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And you're a whole lot deeper thinker than I am. And you have no idea. And you're asking me. I have no idea what God is doing. But I know it's going to be right. Yesterday I came by. Somebody sent me a text message. I was coming by the church. And they said, Pastor, pray for me. I'm, I'm having an emergency. Went right to the altar. Got down on my knees. Got my phone out. And I said, I'm praying for you by name right now at the altar. And so this is my, this is my prayer. God, I have, I have no idea what you're doing. I have no idea what you're doing. But I trust you. I trust you to do it right. And you don't have to tell me what you're doing. But I need to say I trust you. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray that we would take the admonitions of chapter 5. We get in the book. Put our focus back on you. And be part of the 3% that get to work. We don't have to have the answers. Many times we will not have the answers. But we trust you to do the right thing in the right way. We give you praise throughout all eternity in Christ's name. Amen. Yeah.